Thank you, God. Amen. He is a great God. Amen. Amen. He is doing great things. Very happy and pleased to have Reverend Adam Heil here with us today, uh, coming out of Great Section 4. Amen. I enjoyed watching him work in his local church, Brother Cross, and what a great man of God, and, and uh, working with the youth there, and graduating to the Section 4 uh, Youth Director, and now is the, the Illinois District Youth President, and a uh, great man of God, and another Heil in the ministry. <laughs> but I want him to come and take his liberty, and uh, let's get behind the, the preacher, and let's let's have some church. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's welcome him as he comes. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Amen. Thank you to Brother Heil or Uncle John, depending on where we're at. You always know when him or Zachary are in the room because I'll hear from a distance Brother Heil, and I promptly respond with Brother Heil. So we know. It's a good family greeting. Thank you for the kind words. You know, I'm finding out that of all the things that, that you could be called, the saint of God is the greatest, greatest accolade that anyone could ever have. I do regret my wife and my two girls aren't able to be with us. They are on their way back from a girl's trip with my wife's family, so they were doing a lot better probably than most. They were in the sunny shores of Gulf Shores, Alabama, taking it in, so I'm you know, of all the of all the things that you, the opportunities you get to do in life, being a husband and a father is probably one of the greatest things you, because you get to see God work in your own life and in your own family. And I love to watch God work in our churches and in our district as a whole. But there's nothing I love more than to watch the hand of God move into my family and just see what God can do. Man, I'm I'm thankful. I'm honored to stand here. I don't take it lightly. I've it's. Uh, been said before, but it's a privilege to be invited somewhere once. It's an honor to come back because that means that they heard you and you didn't do bad enough that they they wanted you back. So thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be here. I want to turn your attention to Zechariah chapter 9. It's an interesting passage of scripture. Zechariah chapter 9 and beginning at verse number 11. Prophet writes, he says, As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. And this is God speaking to the children of Israel, to the nation. He says, Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. For I have bent Judah, my bow, fitted the bow with Ephraim, and raised your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and made you like the sword of a mighty man. And then the Lord will be seen over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. And the Lord God will blow the trumpet, and he will go with whirlwinds from the south, and the Lord of hosts will defend them. He said, They shall devour and subdue with sling stones, and they shall drink and roar as if with wine. They shall be filled with blood like basins, like the corners of the altar. The Lord their God will save them in that day as the flock of his people, for they shall be like the jewels of crown, lifted like a banner over his land. For how great is its goodness, and how great its beauty. Grain shall make the young men thrive, and new wine the young women. 
It's an interesting passage here that God is telling Israel what's going to happen to them. And he, he makes an interesting statement right there at the very beginning. And in verse number 12, he says, Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. For just a few moments today, with the help of the Lord, I want to preach to you today that we are prisoners of hope. We are prisoners of hope. If you would, every hand lifted in this place and ask God to speak to you today. Lord, we thank you, God, for your presence that's in this place today. I pray, Lord, that you would be with us. God, I pray that you would let your word do the work that you would desire today. God, it's not my words that I'm speaking today, but God, let me be an oracle of heaven. Lord, that every word that's spoken today, God, let it be from you to the hearts and minds of your people today, Lord. God, I pray that you would let me disappear today, God, and that your word would shine forth, Lord. We want you to get all glory today, God, and for your will to be accomplished. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do, and we'll give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord as you're seated. So to give you a little background of the passage that we're reading here, this is actually a prophetic word that Zechariah is being given. And, and if you go back and you study it out a little bit, just previous verses to this, what the prophet is giving is he's actually giving a prophecy concerning Jesus. And he's talking about the hope of Israel, and he's talking about how the deliverer is coming. And, and just previous verses prior to that, he says that he's coming. He said there's the deliverer is coming. He's going to save Israel, he said, and he is going to come riding on a colt. And so, so we find out that he's, he's referencing the coming Messiah. He's referencing Jesus. And so he continues on, and he's telling them about the deliverance. He says, because of the blood of your covenant, and that goes all the way back, he's speaking to the nation of Israel that he says, and when you were in the old times, he said, when you were still wandering in the wilderness, God called you with a covenant of blood. And so he's reminding them that he says it was the blood, he said, that you made a covenant with from years ago. He said, and I still remember that covenant today. See, one of the things that's so great about God is that while God fails to remember all of the things that we've done wrong, God still remembers the promises and the covenants that he has made. Amen. I'm thankful that even though God doesn't always remember the bad things that I've done, he says, every promise I gave you in my word, he said, I'll never forget it. He said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he says, everything that I ever told you, every good thing that I ever promised you, he said, it will come to pass. And so God says, I'm remembering the blood of the covenant with you, he says, and I will let your prisoners free. He says, and return to the stronghold. What's interesting is they've come out, Israel has come out of captivity now, and God's telling them that if you study out whenever he says return to the stronghold, he's telling them, he says, return to Zion. Return to the place, he said, where my presence would dwell. Return to the place, he said, that I would inhabit he said, because that is the place that is a refuge to you. That's why it was written, for the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous shall run into it, and they are safe. He said, return to the safe place in me. He said, you prisoners of hope. How many times have we found ourselves saying, I hope, and then we finish it with the absolute best case scenario? That's just common nature. It's just human nature that we say, boy, you know, I really hope. And then, you know, it may be, boy, I hope that that, you know, that 40% raise is going to be this week. I hope pastor's short today because I'm hungry. I hope, I hope that this is like this. I hope that it's like that. I hope the kids do well. 
I remember as a teenager, I hoped I would do well in algebra even though I didn't study. I would hope that I would do well in geometry even though I still didn't study. <laughs> Slow learner. I would hope for the best case scenario, even though I may not have put in the effort for it, I would hope for all of these things. We find ourselves in difficult situations saying, I hope this is the case. I hope this happens. I hope it goes this way. And oftentimes we, we continue our life with, I hope, I hope, I hope. And if we're not careful, we sometimes feel like maybe we become a prisoner of hope that we just constantly say, well, I, I'm hoping for. But this isn't what the prophet's writing about saying that you're hoping for something that never comes. But in fact, when he gives a prophetic word, he says, he said, you prisoners of hope. He said, you're not hoping in something that isn't coming. He said, you're hoping in something that is assured. He said, I want you to know, he said, that as a prisoner of hope, he said, even though you may be in darkness, he said, your hope isn't in this world, he said, but it goes beyond this world. Your hope isn't just in the temporal things, but in fact, he said, your hope is in something far better than what you can see in the circumstances around you. Hope is something that we have to hang on to because without hope, we give up everything else. Hope is something that even in the darkest moments of our life, if I don't have hope, I don't have anything. The world we live in right now is a world that is hopeless and that is dark and helpless. And I'm telling you that right now, if the world can't find hope, then they continue down the path that they're on. That's why they said that suicide rates has skyrocketed through COVID is because people didn't have a hope in a better tomorrow. They kept waiting on a politician to fix it. They kept waiting on a doctor to fix it. They kept waiting on society to get it right. And every time they would get it wrong and it felt like it got worse. And so they felt hopeless in the life that they were in. And as long as they felt hopeless, then what's the use? Why keep going? But that's why we are told and challenged in Scripture that it says that we have to hope in something greater than this life. We have to hope in something better than this. Because whenever we find out that the children of Israel, they're released from Babylon, they're coming back to their city, they had to go back to a place that was in ruins. And so it's difficult sometimes when you think about this. That whenever you have been held captive by a mindset or you've been held captive by the enemy for so long, and I don't mean physically, but sometimes mentally, we can be held captive by the enemy. That he allows you to think it's always going to be this way. And this is just the way that life is always going to be. And we end up becoming a prisoner in our own mind and the walls get smaller and hope gets less and less and less. But I'm here to tell you that what happens is whenever God finally decides to deliver you and God brings freedom into your life, there's going to be some things that you have to remember. That while you were in captivity, there were certain parts of your life that began to wane and there were certain areas that began to fall apart. And so whenever you come out of the captivity, there's still some things that have to be rebuilt. But God said, that's why I want you to get back into the stronghold. He said, come back to Zion. Come back to the place where you know there's refuge. He says, because then we can begin to rebuild a little bit. And as we begin to rebuild, he said, you're going to begin to see some things that are starting to shape up again in your life. And you go, now I feel like this is a stronghold in my life that I feel safe again. 
Because whenever the name of the Lord becomes a strong tower, all of a sudden you remember that I don't hope in the things of today. I don't hope for the job to come through. I don't hope for humanity to come through. I don't hope for doctors to come through. Because what I'm telling you is whenever you put your hope in God, it goes far beyond this life that whenever your hope is in God, it doesn't matter if the doctor gives you the good report or the bad report because you know that there's something beyond even what this life can offer that you say that there is hope in the morning. There is hope in the morning. When we get beyond placing our hope in the temporal things of life, we learn what David wrote in Psalm chapter 33. He said, we put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, O Lord, for our hope is in you alone. When David said he is our hope and our shield... It's an interesting picture that David paints there because hope is always looking to the horizon for something better. Hope is always watching for the sun to come up the next morning. Hope is always saying in the midst of the darkest hour, I'm watching for that next best thing. I'm watching for something better. But in the meantime, while I'm watching the horizon, God's standing on the background saying, I'm going to cover you while you're hoping. He said, while you're hoping for a better tomorrow, he said, I'm going to be the shield that's behind you, that's covering you. He said, I'm going to be the buckler that's keeping you safe. He said, you keep looking to the horizon, son. You keep looking to a better tomorrow, daughter. He said, and while you're watching and hoping in me, he said, I'm going to cover you and I'm going to protect you. He said, because that's who I am. He said, I'm not just your hope for a better tomorrow. He said, I'm your covering in your past. He said, I'm the one that's protecting you in your present. He said, so you hope for a better tomorrow while I cover you from behind. David knew that he was the God of hope. Because if anyone had seen the hand of God in his life, it was David. David saw the judgment of God, and then he also saw the hand of mercy of God. And David said, it's in you that I hope. He said, because I've seen how everything else works, and everything else fails. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how hard we try, but hope in God never fails. Hope in God never fails. Does it mean that he's going to answer the prayer the way you want it? No, but it means that his perfect will will always be accomplished. It means that it will always be accomplished. I remember as a teenager, late teens, early 20s, my wife and I had just gotten married. We were babies. Thankfully, she was agreeable to finish raising me. She's still not done at 35. But I remember sitting there, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, I'm trying to solve all the world's problems at 20 years old. I couldn't even figure myself out. And I sat down, and I was talking with my mother-in-law. And I love my mother-in-law to death. I know, and she's not even here. I'm not sucking up. I genuinely love my mother-in-law to death. That woman has helped me so much. And I told her, I said, so, Mama, I said, I just want to find the will of God. And I remember her sitting there, and she said, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Yes, ma'am. She said, do you, do you follow the Word of God? I try to. She said, then you're in it. I said, I'm going to need you to expound on that, please. She said, the Bible says, and I was like, here she goes. Apparently, I don't read it well enough because she's about to quote it to me. She said, the Bible says the steps of a righteous man 
are ordered of the Lord. She said, so if you're living righteous, she said, then you're walking in his will. And I remember thinking to myself, that, that rocked my world, that I thought there's multiple times I felt like I was out of the will of God, but when I look at the moments that I felt like I was out of the will of God, it wasn't God that had moved his will, it was me that moved out. And I remember thinking to myself, I just hope that one day I can, when I found out that as long as I allow my steps to be ordered of the Lord, I don't have to hope that I find the will of God. The will of God is not lost, but in fact, it's where it's always been right here. And so God says that as long as you walk according to my statutes, he said, you don't have to hope that you find my will. You don't have to hope that you can figure this thing out. But in fact, he says, if you find out, he said that your hope is in me, he said, and you walk according to my words, he said, you'll never have to hope again that you find it. He said, you're going to walk in it. But we have to understand that whenever we start to put our hope in God, we also have to be okay with the outcome that God gives us. I can hope for a better tomorrow, but the better tomorrow isn't it going my way. It's my hope is that it goes God's way. That God, as long as you're in control, then I'm okay with whatever you decide in my life. And that's a very scary place to be because oftentimes we go, yeah, but I just don't know if I want to relinquish that much control to God. But God says, if your hope is in me, he said, then your hope is not in your control. He said, what you're doing, he said, is you're hoping that I will take care of everything that I need to take care of in your life. My pastor, I love my pastor. I give him honor. He has been just a benefit to me in my life. I love that man dearly. And he said something to me all of my life that he said, God always gets it right in the end. And I thought to myself how true that is, that God always gets it right. There's moments in my life where I hoped for the grace and mercy of God without judgment, and there were moments where God gave me judgment. And I look back and I say, thank you, God, because you got it right. I needed judgment to wake me up, and still you showed me mercy because I could have been a lot worse than what I was. God, I didn't want judgment in my life. I wanted grace and I wanted mercy, but you got it right in the end. And even though I hoped for a different ending at times, God said, I'm going to show you what I can do whenever you put your hope and your trust in me. Is the writer of Hebrews that he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. You see, you can't have faith without hope. Because you can't put your faith in something that's not there. You hope for a lot of things and then you say, you know what, God, I'm going to put faith into action here and I'm going to believe that this is what's going to be. And you begin to walk that whenever you allow your steps to be ordered of the Lord and you begin to say, God, I am going to be that prisoner of hope that I continue to walk that even in the circumstances that maybe I'm in right now, I'm going to put my hope in you and by faith I'm going to walk. You see, whenever the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight, it means that I hope for a better tomorrow and I'm going to keep walking in that direction even though I don't know what tomorrow may bring. I don't know what tomorrow has, but one thing I do know is even though I don't know what tomorrow holds, I do know who holds tomorrow. And so I continue to walk in it and I may say, you know what, I don't understand it, God, but this is what I have to do. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 6 said that our hope is the anchor of our soul. He is our hope. So in the midst of the storm, when you don't know what's going to happen, the one thing you can do is you drop anchor and you hang on to God and you say, we're going to ride out the storm. No matter what comes my way, I'm going to ride out the storm because as long as I put my hope in God, I know the sun's coming. 
I know the morning's coming, so rejoice not against me over my enemy, for I may fall, but you know what? I'm going to hang on to God, and I'm going to get back up again. Every time I get knocked down, it's all right. Don't worry, because I've got a hope and a better tomorrow that this isn't who I am. When the enemy tries to declare something over my life, that this will be the always way that it's going to be. No, no, no. My hope is in a better tomorrow. My hope is in the word of God that I can forget the things which are behind me and pursue the things which are in front of me. Because it's the high calling of Jesus Christ. My hope isn't in what I can do in my own life. But my hope is in a God that has saved me. And that he raised me up. And that even while I was a sinner, he still loved me and died for me. So my hope isn't in what I can do tomorrow. But my hope is in a God that said, I loved you even in spite of who you were. So if God loved me then, my hope isn't in me performing better tomorrow. It's in him working more and more in my life. My hope is in you, God. My hope is in you. And whenever we get to a place where our hope is in God alone and not what I'm going to do and not what anybody else is going to do, but my hope is in God That's why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8. I love Romans chapter 8 because Paul gives us so much meat there. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 24, he says, For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen isn't hope at all. He said, For what a man sees. He said, Why does he have to hope for it? Oftentimes in life, we're in the midst of the storm. Hope isn't about, I know what it's going to look like tomorrow. Hope is that in the midst of the darkest hour, I say, God, my hope is in you. And I don't know how this thing's going to all wrap up, but one thing I do know is that you'll get it right. Even though I don't understand it, God, of why I'm in the storm that I'm in, it may be a decision that I made. It may be something that happened to me in life, and I may not have chosen it, or I may have chosen everything that I did that led me into the storm that I'm in. But as long as I go back to the anchor of my soul and say, you know what, God, I don't know why I'm here, or maybe I know why I'm here, and I just need you. To, I need to hang on to you a little bit tighter. Can I tell you that God allows us to go through things in our life because whenever you feel like you're starting to lose your grip, you're going to reach a little harder, and you're going to grab a hold a little tighter at times. And so whenever you feel like you're at the end of your rope, God says, tie a knot in it and hang on. And hang on. He said, because if your hope is in me, God said, I'm always at the end of your rope. There's times in our life, it's amazing that humanity, we are the slow learners that we are. That when life is good and I feel like I'm hanging by the top of the rope, Oftentimes I feel like my hope is in what I can do and what I can accomplish. And so God allows our grip to slip every now and then. We get a little bit of that rope burn trying to catch it. And we're hanging there and we find ourselves getting closer and closer to the end of it. And God says, now will you trust in me? And he allows us to find places in our life that he says, if you would trust me up there, he said, life would be so much different. But he says, oftentimes we wait until we hit the very end of our rope and we hit our knees and then we cry out to God. But I don't want to wait for a bad today to hope in him tomorrow. I want to hope in him today while life is good and say, you know what, God, life is good, but I'm hoping for a better tomorrow. Life may be good right now, but God, I'm hoping for a better tomorrow because this is what God promised. We look at our life 
And oftentimes we, we can get discouraged. The job isn't, there's more bills or there's more month than there is money. Right? You get to the end of the month and you go, we ran out about eight days ago. You get to the job and it's just not doing what it needs to do. And your family, you wish that life would be better. And oftentimes we can face this struggle of a hopelessness that this is just life. This is just life. And I'm telling you, God gave me a word today that he said, don't let the enemy box you in as a prisoner that just says this will be the way that it's always going to be. This is always how it's going to be. Brother Heil, this is just life now and you've got to live with it. I don't accept that. Because the enemy is not the author of my story. We sang about it today, but in fact, God is the author and the finisher of my faith. And so as long as my faith is in him and my hope is in him, then he still has the pen. It may be the end of a chapter, and the chapter might not have ended the way that I wanted it to, but I'm going to go ahead and hope that God's going to turn the page, and he's going to keep writing and say, hang on, son. Hang on, daughter. I'm writing a better story here. He says, you just hope for a better tomorrow. He said, you hang on to what I've promised you. He said, and let me continue to write the story. Don't close the book at the end of that chapter, he said, but let me keep writing for just a little bit longer, and let me show you who I am and what I can do. I want to challenge you with the word that David wrote in Psalm chapter 43. He said, why art thou cast down on my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? He asks himself two rhetorical questions and then he answers. He says, hope in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. He asks himself two questions. He says, why are you cast down? Why are you depressed? Why are you within this turmoil? He said, I have an answer for you. Hope in God. Because whenever you find yourself in life that you don't understand it and you're trying to figure everything out, the one thing that I have figured out is I'll never have it all figured out. This much I know is that I will never know what God knows and why he knows it. But as long as he knows it, I'm okay. As long as he's still the one speaking over my life and he's the loudest voice in my life, then I'm okay. As long as God has a louder voice than that of the enemy or that of myself. Because sometimes, if we can just be honest with ourselves, there's moments in our life that we blame the enemy when really the problem is the inner me. We, we want to go casting out devils, but we ought to stop sometimes and just look in the mirror and go, listen, bud. There's been moments in my life where I've had to grab myself by the collar and go, all right, dude, enough's enough. And we want to blame the enemy sometimes, and the devil's sitting back going, I didn't do it, but I'll take credit for it. He's a blister. He shows up when all the work's done. Sometimes we beat ourselves up, and then he's, he's the one that wins the belt for the prize fight. We are prize fighters against ourselves. And there's times in our life that we have to sit down with ourselves, look yourself in the mirror and go, why are you so upset? Why are you so torn up about this? Hope in God. And you have just an honest conversation with you and yourself and I. Me, myself, and I. That, sometimes that's the only people I need to talk to. The three of us have a great conversation. 
There's been many times I've been driving in my truck and I'm like, man, what are you doing? And I'll answer. They say everybody talks to themselves. It's people that answer. Those are the crazy ones. And I'm like, present and accounted for. Aren't we? Yes. But I found myself many times that I sit back and I get so worked up. If I could be very transparent, if you'll excuse the personal reference. My wife and I, we struggled to have children biologically. And right now we're fostering two little girls. We're praying that God does what he needs to do in the court system and everything else. And I wish you could meet them because, boy, they will light up a room. They're incredible. My wife and I, we couldn't have children biologically. And I remember that God gave my wife a word and spoke to her very specifically. She saw a vision, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And so here I am. My wife has this great experience in God, and here I am standing over here going, you got anything for me? I'm like, I'm the preacher. Give me something. Nothing. I remember I sat through a sermon the man began to preach. He said, you've got to speak to the mountain. He said, you've got to be able to declare the word of the Lord. And then he finally goes back and he says, you need to be able to laugh at your problem. And I sat there, very, very honestly, I sat there on that platform and I said, I will never laugh at this situation. This isn't a laughing matter, God. And I told God, I said, the day I laugh at that will be the day I've gone crazy. Well, well. That wrecked me, and I, I had to make a drive to Kansas City that day, and I was talking to God, and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated, and I'm like, giving my wife all this stuff. I'm like, I don't feel like I have a thing here. Drove to Kansas City, came back same day, and I, I, we had prayer meeting that night, and I called my wife. I said, I'm just going straight to the church. I said, I don't need to be home right now. I said, me and God just need to spend some time together, and I got to church, and I began praying. I remember it like it was yesterday. I could take you to the spot in our church. That I started praying about our situation with our family and I started asking God why. And all of a sudden, God hit me with it because I felt so downtrodden. And all of a sudden, I realized how hard I had been fighting myself, that God had given my wife a word, and that if he gave my wife a word, then you know what, God, I'm going to take that, that that's for our family. And I sat back, and I said, you know what, if that's it, then God, you've got this thing. And I started to chuckle a little bit because God said the enemy thought he had you. And I started chuckling a little bit, and I said, you sly old fox. You thought you had me. You got in my head, and then you allowed me to run with it. And I started, I started laughing a little bit more, and I said, you ain't got this. I said, God's got this thing. Who do you think you are, devil? And I remember I fell on the floor and just began to roll around laughing on the floor, and I thought to myself, I probably look, and God said, crazy. And it dawned on me in that moment that I said, you know what? I got so worked up because I couldn't fix it. And God said, you were never meant to fix it. He said, you were meant to feel it. God said, I want you to feel the weight of what it is whenever you try to take things into your own hands and you try to make things happen on your own. He said, I want you to feel that weight. He said, because that's the weight that he said I can carry on just one finger. He said, it's no big deal to me. He said, I've been keeping the world running for a long time without you. I can still keep going. God said, I want you to feel it. He said, but now, he said, now that you felt it a little bit, he said, I'm going to let you feel the weight of it. He said, but what I want you to do is I want you to take the weight of it and put it in my hands and say, I'm hoping for something better, God. Because whenever you begin to hope for more, what you find out 
said you could begin to quote that scripture that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. You go back to the stronghold, to the safe place, that whenever the enemy begins to fight you and when you begin to fight you, you go back to the safe place in the presence of God because I can promise you this, when you step into the presence of God, no matter what you felt moments before, if you don't start to feel peace and you don't start to feel joy, then you continue to press deeper into the stronghold because there's no possible way in humanity that you can step into the presence of God and feel confusion. You won't feel fear. You won't feel anxiety. You won't feel doubt but in fact when you step into the presence of God in his presence is perfect peace in his presence is perfect joy it's a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory it's a peace that passes all understanding there is no fear in his presence because it says perfect love casts out all fear so whenever you begin to doubt a little bit and your hope begins to wane a little bit for a better tomorrow if I can challenge you step into the presence of God get into the stronghold of God and allow his presence to wash over your mind and over your heart because when you step into the presence of God then all of a sudden you start to say God my hope started to shift to things of this life but now I know that you are the one that I hope in God so my soul's not going to be discounted anymore I'm not going to be depressed anymore I'm not going to feel anxious anymore because God my hope is in you this is why Paul wrote what he did in Romans chapter 8 and I'm drawing to a close musicians want to come When you hope in God, you get the revelation that Paul had. When you look at what Paul writes in Corinthians, he says, twice I was shipwrecked, I was beaten with rods. He said I was boiled. That's not exactly the ideal life that you want to tell somebody. Everybody loves to be able to share a good story. We went out to dinner last night and we were telling stories of years gone by. And we all love a good story, but I'm thankful Uncle John, that neither of us had to ever tell a story of thrice was I beaten with rods, twice was I shipwrecked, imprisoned. Thank God. There's some stories we just don't get to tell. But you think about it. How many of those stories should I have to tell without the mercy and grace of God? That life could have been that, uh, yeah, maybe I never had to battle alcoholism or drug addiction I thank God that I don't have to tell the story of what it was like to come out of drug addiction. I thank God that I don't have to tell the story of what it's like to battle alcoholism. I thank God that I have my, I do have my stories and God's brought me a mighty long way that if I told you the story, it'd probably curl your hair. And I thank God that he has brought me a long way. But when I look back and I realize what God has brought me from, the only thing that it does is it builds my faith in him and hope for a better tomorrow. It's because I start to realize what God's done in my life and I have the revelation that Paul had in Romans chapter 8. I told you I love this chapter. Paul said in Romans chapter 8 verse 28, he says, And now we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and have been called according to his purpose. Now notice Paul didn't say all things work together for your good. He says for the good. What's the good? God. God and his plan. That is what is good. There is nothing else 
good in this life, not even us. There is nothing else good, but God says, if you love me, he said, then you understand. He said that everything in your life, God says, I can take the worst mess and I can turn it into a message real quick. He said, because that's what I do. He said, I started the world with nothing. He said, so what you bring me in brokenness doesn't scare me. It doesn't put me back. He said, in fact, the brokenness is what brought me to you. So how I know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and been called according to his purpose. Verse 31 says, what then shall we, shall we say in response to these things? Paul's gone through a litany of things that they've faced. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also against those whom God has chosen. He said, God has given us all things graciously. He said, so if God, he said, did all of this. God said in verse 33, Paul writes, he says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? Paul answers real quick. He says, no one. No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. See, the reason we know that whenever Paul asked the rhetorical question, he said, who can condemn you? Paul later on answers his own question. He says, for there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Oftentimes we feel like our past is the unpayable debt of why we can't hope for tomorrow. I would love to hope for a better tomorrow, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the weights that I carry. Well, Hebrews says, lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets you. If that's what's keeping you from hoping in a better tomorrow, because here's what I found out is that the enemy will get in our head and he will tell you that you don't deserve to hope for a better tomorrow. You don't deserve to hope in a better tomorrow. You don't deserve to hope in a God that loves because of this. But if he brings up my past, this much I do know is that God has removed it as far as the east is from the west. So even though, enemy, you might remember it, and you know what? Even though I might remember it, God doesn't remember it. And this much I do know is that while I may still be imprisoned in this life, because as long as I'm here walking on this life, I am bound by flesh and blood. But there's coming a day when this mortal shall put on immortality. There's coming a day where one day I will no longer walk on streets of concrete and asphalt, but one day I will walk on streets of gold. So even in this life, while I may be imprisoned by who I I am in flesh and blood. This much I do know is that my spirit is not in bondage because my hope is not in this life, but my hope is in God. So I want to challenge you if you'd stand with me. If our hope is in God, John writes, he says, for God is love. Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. He said, none of these things. 
are going to keep it as is written for your sake. We face death all the day long. We are considered as sheep to be before the slaughter. No. He says in verse 37, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, he says, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present or things to come, nor, nor powers or nor height or depth or any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God. Paul said, doesn't matter my circumstance. He said, in chains or free, my hope isn't in this life. You go all the way back to the prophetic word that Zechariah gave. He's giving a word, the coming Messiah. He says, hope's coming. Hope's coming. His name was going to be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. That's who hope is. That he is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. That's who hope is. He is the hope of glory. That's who he is. He is the Savior of my soul. He's the healer of my mind and of my body. That's where hope is. Hope has a name, it's Jesus. Hope has a name and it's Jesus. So my hope isn't in just something that is beyond this life, but in fact, hope is in the one that I walk with and whose presence I feel every day in my life. Hope isn't what I can conjure up in good feelings and positive thinking. No, hope goes so far beyond all the positive messages that you hear from all of the denominations of this world. It's not just tomorrow's gonna be a better day and I try to fake my way through with a smile. No, my hope isn't that just everything, if I think positive thoughts in life, is going to be better. My hope is in him because he's created a new heart and a new mind in me and he's been faithful to me all of my life and so my hope isn't in just some better thought. My hope is in the one who is at the very beginning. I don't hope for not. So I want to challenge you today. That maybe you're facing a situation in your life and you don't know how it's going to play out. The storm might have just started. Or you might have battened down the hatches a long time ago. And now you're just trying to weather it out. If I can encourage you today, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. If I could be very honest with you, my wife and I, we have our hopes right now of our family. And every day we've got to walk by faith that God will provide, that God will take care. I can tell you what I hope, that I hope that God steps in and God does what he needs to do. That's where my hope is, is that God will take care of it. And ultimately, my hope is that God says, it's all in my hands, son. Don't worry about it. He says, I love them more than you do. So no matter what you're facing, I can promise you this, that God said, I love you more than what you'll ever know. He said, so if you just hope in me again and not of the things of this life or what you can do, he said, my hope will sustain you. Because it's the anchor in the midst of the storm. It's the anchor that holds everything together. 
Oh, I feel it so strong in the Holy Ghost right now that no matter what you're facing right now, there is an anchor for your soul. That God says, if you would just put your hope in me, he said, I promise you in the midst of the storm, he said, I'm going to anchor you down. He said, and that storm's not going to kill you. It's not going to take you out. He said that you're not going to lose your mind. You're not going to lose your family. He said, but in fact, he said, if you put your hope in me, he said, I will be the anchor to your soul. So in the midst of the prison, you prisoners of hope, hope thou in God. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I believe that there are those under the sound of my voice right now. God, that life has brought some situations that seem fairly hopeless. And I'm asking right now, God, that you will let faith be released into this room. Let the gift of faith be in operation in this church, I pray right now. God, that we don't hope for anything but you. God, that we put our hope in you right now. God, that you are the sustainer of our life. You, God, are the ones, Lord, that gets the final say over every part of my life. And so right now, God, I put my hope in you. And I trust you, God to do your perfect will. I want to invite you to come and pray together as a church body because there are those that are going to walk into the back doors of this church. I feel this so strong. There are those that are going to walk into the back doors of this church, those that maybe had been wayward children that are coming back home or those that have never felt the presence of God in all of their life and they're going to walk into this place and what they need more than a program, what they need more than anything else in this life is they need hope. They need a church that can give them hope for a better tomorrow. They need someone that can give them hope for a better marriage. Someone that can give them hope for their family. Someone that can give them hope for their family situation or for the addictions that maybe they're facing. They need a church that's so connected and plugged into God that they said, we will be the prisoners of hope together. Father, I'm praying right now for every member of this church. God, I'm praying for every saint of God right now, Lord that you would let hope rise in this room right now. God, because there are those souls that are wandering right now, God, that as they begin to walk through the back doors, I pray, God, that you would let this be a church. God, that they feel hope in this place. God, that when they walk in, they feel that there is hope for a better tomorrow, that there's hope for their family, that there's hope for escape of the addiction that they face, that there's hope, oh God, for something in their life to change. I pray, God, that you would let this be a refuge of hope for them in this city. God, let the city of Pontiac know that there's help here on Aurora Street. Let them know, God, that there is hope for a better tomorrow here on Aurora, God. And we don't have to wait for the economy to change. We don't have to wait for anything else in this life. But God, let them find hope in this room, I pray. Come on, I want you to challenge yourself right now and tell yourself, hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. Even though I may still be bound by some of the things that I've seen, even though the circumstances in my life might not have changed in this very moment, I want to challenge you right now. Hope thou in God. Because our hope is in Him. It's in Him alone that we have our hope. For He is our hope and our shield. 
He's covering you right now. I feel it right now in the Holy Ghost. God says, I'm covering you right now. He said, I will be your shield. He said, if you will step into the stronghold, he said, I will be your shield that I place a covering over you. He said, and you will no longer have to fight that battle on your own. He said, but now, he said, I will be your shield and your buckler. Come on, David said, many are they that increase the trouble me and those that rise against me. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, for you are the glory and the lifter of my head. Come on, somebody needs to know it right now, and you need to make that declaration over your life that God is a shield for you. And there is hope right now in this moment. There is hope right now for a better tomorrow. Come on, don't close your eyes and walk away, but keep watching the horizon for the sun's coming up. Come on, just pray in the spirit for just a moment. God's speaking right now. <laughs> 